right there. Hello, everybody. It's another Thursday night, and we've got the lovely Giselle here with us, and myself, Sidoni. Um, sadly, Ngum can't be with us tonight. Again, um, it's just going through bereavement in the family, but we are continuing to pray for her and her family that the Lord will continue to comfort them um, at this time. So um, we're prayerful and hopeful that she will join us in the very near future. She will return to us, as it were. Um, but yes, so tonight you've got just Giselle and I, and we are going to ramp up this conversation and have a, a good chin wag like we always do. Yeah. Um and we've been thinking about what to talk about. And um this idea came to us literally today. Um and we thought, how about we have a look at the Lord's Prayer? It probably is the most popular prayer in the Bible. Mm -hmm. It's known by Christians and non-Christians. Um, even atheists know it. Yes. It's recited in schools, in assemblies. Um, you know, it's said at memorials and funerals and baptism services. So it's probably very widely recognized. And we thought, you know what, it'll be a really good one just to delve into it a little bit deeper and see perhaps what we can gain from it and or shed light on. And um, so I'm actually looking forward to to tonight actually um because we think it will be um by god's grace it will be edifying um informative um encouraging and also maybe you know admonish us in perhaps some areas that we perhaps haven't quite thought of or have forgotten about and it'll just refresh our memories um and and Giselle and I were speaking before coming on air and we were thinking Hmm, which of the gospels should we um <laughs> which of the gospels should we use and we've decided to go with luke um we think matthew um gets quite a bit of airtime, and so does john um this prayer isn't in the gospel of mark but it's in luke so we thought we'd go with luke's version today um so it's luke chapter 11 and as you enter into the chapter it basically introduces us to this so I'm just going to go off and, and read it um, and then we can sort of unpick it and unpack it and see what we get from there. So starting off Luke chapter 11, um, the subheading um, is I'm going to read the Amplified version just because as we're going to um, talk about it, I thought Amplified sometimes adds a bit of meat to things. So hopefully that will aid us. If not, we'll just revert to NIV or ESV, but um, whichever version you have is fine. Um, so the subheading here is instruction about prayer. It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us, or in brackets, who has offended us or wronged us, and lead us not into temptation, but rescue us from evil. Um, and that's the end of, that's the end of the, 
you know, the prayer there in in Luke's gospel. Um, Giselle, <laughs> what version have you got open? <laughs> I've got the uh, NLT version open. Okay, and what does you all say in the NLT? Nice and plain and simple, going straight from verse one. Mm-hmm. And well, we know it's you know, teaching about prayer. And once Jesus had been out praying, one of his disciples came to him and finished and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Mm. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be honoured. May your mm. kingdom come soon. Give us our food day by day and mm. forgive us our sins, just as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And don't lead us, or don't let us yield to temptation. That's it. No, wow. deliver us from evil or anything. No, no, that's interesting. Isn't the NIV it? as well doesn't say deliver us from evil, mm. which is interesting. Um, yeah. Say. But we'll add that in there because that is. I think that's that. why everybody tends to go to the one in Matthew, mind you, because, you know, it's. Uh huh. It feels like it's a bit more complete, does it? Exactly. Mm. I think. <laughs> Yes, I, I think so. Uh, where is it? Matthew 6, isn't it? It's in. Mm-hmm. I see. There's all Matthew getting his neb in tonight again. And we thought exactly. we weren't, we weren't, we weren't and going to. we thought we'd work with, with Luke. Yeah. Have you got Matthew the NLT version or Matthew in there in any of your versions? Um, let me go for Matthew in the NIV because the NIV is my go-to. Um, mm-hmm. Matthew Six, isn't it? I think it is. Yeah, Matthew mm. six, verse ten. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Sorry, Matthew, that's all right. Uh-huh. Okay, so Matthew um, six nine says, "Then this is how you should pray: Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts." as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Mm-hmm. That will be sound with a lot of people. I think that's sort of the version that a lot of people um, know and you've, you know, you've recited growing up. But um, delving straight into this, okay, we're just going to take it, I think, line by line. Our Father in heaven. Oh, Our Father, so in much heaven, isn't there? Go on, Giselle. Oh, I tell Not you, what, that. Well, you see, I my notes are still fresh in my mind about this because I've done several services on this, and the lovely Sue did a three-week course on it. So, absolutely um, brilliant. But you know, our Father in heaven. Well, first of all, He's the God, the Creator of the heavens and the earth, mm. and everything that's in on and around them. And he's all power and all wisdom, isn't he? And he knows us all through and through. He knows our very thoughts even before we think of what we're going to do. He already knows it. And he wants to be our father. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think that's, you know, and, and he truly does love us. He loves us so much. He really does. And when, he, and when we pray to him, no matter if we pray uh, 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 audibly or silently, or no matter what we're praying for, he listens. Mm-hmm. Sure. And just the, the the word hour, for me, that's 
it's personal yet it's collective yes and, and that says you know our faith is a collective faith where you know when i picture the angels and the saints worshiping him in heaven it's a collective sort of worship yet it's also an individual relationship when you say father it's individual so you know when when we come to him saying this prayer it's interesting that the opening word is our it doesn't say my father in heaven jesus didn't say you know start by saying my father in heaven he said our father in heaven so the the very first opening line of that prayer reminds us that ours is a collective faith ours is a faith of brotherhood and sisterhood and siblinghood ours is a faith of our father um and when you know obviously when we when we think about the word father that is so personal isn't it um so even in the in the collective there's an there's a personal even though we're called to have a collective faith but the relationship is still meant to be personal I mean when we think about father what are some of the characteristics of father that come to mind G for you well like Sharon has just put in the chat and she said the word father uh, though is such a huge challenge for those of us who were abused by our earthly fathers. That's true. And, yeah, we agree wholeheartedly on that. We really That's do. True. But if we, those of us that, or those of you that have been abused by earthly fathers, if you can just look over the fact and just think that this is the heavenly father, the creator of the heavens and the earth, he mm -hmm who loves us so much and it doesn't matter whether we believe in him or not he loves us and he sent jesus his only begotten son to mm. die for us mm. and you know that is true love that really is true love and mm. you know just as you say so don't you know, the word our there and it does take in everybody no matter what race color creed uh, social standing whatever he loves everyone, and you know, as as we're as we're as it's written in Ephesians one and five, that everyone not means our you know our Father everyone all over the world is all predestined to be saved, mm. but God knows and we know that not everybody is going to be saved. That's, that's so how good he, that's how good he is. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, you know, Sharon, you make such a a wonderful point there because. Quite often, people who have been um, disappointed or abused or let down by their earthly fathers mm -hmm. tend to struggle with this idea of God as a father because they've never really seen that reflected. Um, but I would, like Giselle says, I would encourage you to think of your earthly father um, in their fallible human sinful nature. But none of those qualities apply to our heavenly father. He is the uncreated one. He's the one that loved us whilst we were still sinning. He sent his son to die for us. So whilst we were still busy rebelling against him, he was showing us sacrificial love. Um, and it can be such a wonderful, comforting place to come to the heavenly father 
for the love and comfort and protection and provision that you didn't get from an earthly father. Because the Bible says in the Old Testament, it says he will be a father to the fatherless and yes. he'll be a husband to the widows. Yes. Um, you know, it's, there's this image of a father being a protector, a provider, you know, a priest in the household. He's the leader. Um, and so for, for some people who perhaps don't have a good relationship with their father, they perhaps haven't seen that growing up. And they haven't experienced that going up. So they wrestle with this idea of God as a father because as parents, we're meant to reflect something of God's parenthood to our children here on earth. And so when that's removed and taken away, then children grow up with a gap because they don't get to experience that fatherhood. And this is, you know, we're always talking about fatherhood now because we're speaking about father, but this is the same for mothers. Um, you know, children have that gap. Um, and so it can be such a wonderful thing when they come to God and experience him as a father. Because, you know, he blocks those holes. If you want to think of a plug, a sink plug, he sort of plugs those holes and he blocks it in. And he not only blocks it, he fills it up afresh. Big time. Big and time. then you start experiencing fatherhood as you've never known it before perhaps even better than some some people who had fathers here <laughs> on earth and um, they start experiencing god as a father um you know his provision his um protection his leadership his guidance his counsel um all those things that are sort of you know reminiscent as, as for fathers and and this is one of the reasons why personally um i advocate for men to be in in the lives of their children now understandably people go their separate ways divorces happen but in in those cases um the men need to step up and be fathers for their children because mm -hmm. there's a hole there that only a father can there's a role um that only a father can play in a child's life yes and likewise the women need to let the men be fathers yes they do and um, and you know i know sometimes we go off tangent and we put our heads on the chopping block and i'm sure i've just done good, that. that's good <laughs> we're little rebel risers we are but i think you know it's important that we speak these these truths oh. are we going to get it 100 percent right all the time no no listen for we're fallen but where we can let's strive for that because God in his infinite wisdom um, created father and a mother for a child. Yes. So there's a role there that a father can play that a mother perhaps, a mother can play it, but she perhaps won't be able to do it as well as a man or as well as a father. I'm not saying a woman cannot be a provider. I'm not saying a woman's not a protector. I'm not saying a woman can't do any of those things. Of course she can. But that's not what she was designed for. Um, the man was designed to do that. And so it's a bit like, you know, if you buy a new, I don't know, a new piece of machinery, you go to the instruction manual to go, oh, how do I put this together? How does there this work? <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Exactly. Of course, you can do what I do. 
you know, and you get a bit of thing and you just think, oh, I'll put this here and put that there and, and it will work. Nothing yeah. to say it won't work, it will work. Um, and then one day you actually sit and think, hang on a minute, I'll just read this manual and find out exactly how this thing is supposed to, to work. And then you read the manual and then I adjust certain bits and pieces and then it's actually working better than it did when I did it without the manual. And I'm thinking, wow, there's a reason for the manual. <laughs> and, and that's the reason for the Bible too, because really what the Bible is, Bible B basic I instructions B before L leaving E Earth. Ooh, I like that. You like that? You can use like that one, that. my dear. Yeah. Be, oh, for sure, I'll be using that one. Yeah, basic instructions before leaving Earth. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, you know, it's thanks, Sharon, for that point because it's so yeah. important. It's so important because so many people have um bad relationships with their earthly fathers. But that should in that's not a reflection on your heavenly father. No, because not. that's just a reflection on the brokenness of, of your earthly father and his humanity and his sinfulness. Um so yes, our father, the collective yet individual father yes. in heaven. In heaven. When you when you hear that, what do you think, G? Oh, in heaven. Oh my goodness me. He's there waiting for me. <laughs> yeah, because because oh I saw a, a Mimi on Facebook a couple of days or a couple of weeks ago or something and mm. this world isn't my home oh, I'm yeah. just recruiting mm, I think I saw you do that one yeah I think I saw yeah, that I, I thought that's absolutely brilliant because I I do like the old uh, the old country and western song you this world ain't my home I'm just a passing through mm, I love I that, love that. I re- yeah, I, I really, love that one too. It really is good. It's a good it's an old, old gem, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> I think I remember Jim Reeves singing it too. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's true. And you know, no matter how long we're here on earth for, <clears throat> sadly, some people pass away when they're still ch- children, mm. young adults, middle age, whatever. Some of us get living an awful lot longer. But I often think about it. I'm 70 now. And in heaven, my heavenly father's there waiting for me. Jesus is away there preparing the table for us, preparing the rooms for us, for the mansion, whatever way you want to praise. I'm happy with a little bed set. That's 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 fine. <laughs> um, but he's away preparing all this for us. Mm. And when we get there, we're going to be there with them for eternity. For sure. That's a and long you, time. That is, and you and like my 70 years now, I'm only five foot one tall. But mm. even at five foot one tall, on my what weight am I like 130 pounds? Mm. My 70 years at the minute, it's only like it's less than a mustard seed size compared mm. to the rest of my whole body. Mm. So I'm gonna be there forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And that is our father who is in heaven waiting for us. Waiting for us. You know, that's amazing. See, when I think of that, I think of heaven as him being an overseer. Because how many times do people, even people who are not believers, think, oh, you know, when someone dies, they go, oh, they're in heaven watching over us. Um, I mean, for the unbelievers, I kind of think, are they really? But we're not gonna put, we're not gonna go there tonight. Um, no. no. <laughs> 
but it's this image of him being there watching over us and again is that image of protection Mm -hmm. and like you know he says you know in in, i think in the old testament i think it's isaiah says i've called you by your name you are mine and it's that idea of he's there in heaven just watching over me my father who is in heaven watching over me and just watching over the earth um you know and then he goes on to say hallowed be your name what does your version say because i think your version breaks down the 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 term hallowed because that's like an old english may you run uh may you may be done on earth as oh no it doesn't say may your name be honored may your name your name be honored yeah so honored or hallowed you know that's the nlt version um may your name be honored how can we honor the name of the Lord? Oh, hallelujah. And everything we do, everything mm-hmm. we say. And it does, it saddens me that there are even some Christians that use this terminology like you, oh my God, and OMG, and all the rest of it. That's not glorifying, that's not sanctifying, that's not hallowing God's name. I, I don't believe. Okay, I might be old fashioned. I might be an old fuddy duddy and you know, uh, everything, but I just feel that the name God, it's so up there that you just don't, you shouldn't say it willy nilly, shouldn't just bandy it about over the, all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet you, you don't, you, you use it, you know, to use his name, he's God, he's the creator of the heavens and the earth, as I said before. Mm-hmm. and he he created man from dust mm-hmm. and from man's a rib of man he created woman being mm. it and you know, just we, we, we should be glorifying him more and you know, yeah. there's lot there's mm-hmm. lots of times even people in praise and worship to just sing you yes so i love you i love you i love you i love you without really listening to the words and even this wonderful prayer mm. Again, it saddens me too that how many people say it, and it's just it's uh, words. You, know, they're just reciting off by you. Know, yeah. Off by heart. They're not saying it from the heart. No, no. Saying, I agree. Mm, I agree, and I think maybe you know that's one of the reasons why we thought we would, you know, try and delve into it and just get people thinking a bit more when they say it. You know, hallowed be your name honor to your name that that sort of reminds me of the third commandment you shall not take the name of of the lord your god in vain um and just i mean when you honor someone you kind of you put him up there on the pedestal and you just worship him you can't help but worship him you can't help but give him all the honor that he's due because from him all things come and to him all things are going to exist and through him all things exist they're from him all things come through him all things exist and to him all things are going to um be judged you know to him everyone is going to be judged and so when you think about the enormity of that and the fact that we're not here by some random, well, I believe certainly, you know, I'm sure different people would, would beg to differ, but I, I believe that 
we're not here by some random force of nature. We're just too perfectly designed to be random. Nature is just too perfectly organized to have been created by chaos or randomness. So I don't think that we're here by some random clash or Big Bang or or whatever else it is that people believe. And so if you put that into perspective and think um, there's a creator to this creation or for this creation, then you've got to honour him. Like there's no way you can't stand in awe of him. I mean, you just need to watch like some of David Attenborough's programmes. And you're like, and I'm like, wow. Like, God, you took your time. (laughs) Big time. Yep. Um, And so let us give him honour in everything that we do whilst appreciating that even though he's our father, even though he holds us dear in the palm of his hand, even though he will leave the 99 to go after the one lost, even though he comes for us, just for us specifically in our time of need. And he just so gently and lovingly cares for us. Aside all of that, he is still the creator. He still deserves to be honored and worshiped and feared and respected. Because aside from him, there is nothing. Apart from him, there's nothing. Um, And then we go on to your kingdom come. See, your kingdom come. People don't really realize what they're saying when they say that. Mm. Your kingdom come. Many people don't want his kingdom to come because if his kingdom come came right now. Because didn't Jesus say that the kingdom of God is amongst you when he was on earth? Yes. Yes. So if we take that parallel to say your kingdom come, then we're really saying we want the second coming of Jesus to come. True. Very true. Wow. Yep. That's just, I've just thought of that actually. And well, well thought of. That was a Holy Spirit thought, wasn't that's it, my just dear? Got uh-huh. me thinking now. You know, when you say your kingdom come, your kingdom come. Mm. Jesus said that the kingdom of God is amongst you. Mm-hmm. So if we say your kingdom come, we're we then saying we want Jesus' second coming to come. And here's the question Are you ready for his kingdom to come again? A lot of people, no, they're not. They might think they are, but they're not. What can they do to be kingdom ready? Um, get over themselves. And I know, and, and, and I know I say that quite a lot of times, but people do have to get over themselves. They really do. Well, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Look, when you get to my ripe old age, you say what you want. <laughs> Can't wait to get there. <laughs> God winning. Uh, um, what can people do? I was what, saying, what can people do get, to get ready, to be ready for the, right. sec- the second coming of the kingdom? Well, whatever you're doing right now, sitting in your living room, your bedroom, or wherever you are, if Jesus came knocking at the door right now, would you be embarrassed by what you're doing? Mm. 
And if the answer to that is yes, that I'd have to run about and tidy something up or whatever, and I don't mean tidy up the house, but I mean tidy up my life, then mm. you should change that now. Because we don't know the minute, we don't know the minute, the day or the hour that Jesus is going to come again and, and gather us all home. And mm. we also don't know the minute that we could snuff it. Yes. We, yes. we, re we, re we really don't. And we should not be putting off. You know, it still saddens me when I hear people that, oh, yeah, 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 I'll go to church. But when I clean myself and clean my act up or, yeah, I'll go to church, but I'll, I'll do that next year because a lot of things I want to do this year and it wouldn't be good for a Christian to do. You could walk out of the house and get hit by a bus, hit by a, a plane. Disaster could be you could get hit by a car, mm. you know, anything. You don't know the minute that mm. you're going to be called home. So we do need to be ready. We, re we really do. Yeah. And I think a lot, you know, and, and this is perhaps a criticism of the Western culture that we are so um, caught up in the here and the now and the immediate and so preoccupied with life and the business of life mm -hmm. that and this almost feels deliberate sometimes and you know I, I, i'm not one for conspiracy theorists so i won't even go down that route but it almost feels deliberate that the whole system is designed to just keep us going from day to day and keep us busy and preoccupied or whether that's with family or life or the next holiday or or the next adventure, or it just feels like everything is designed to keep us busy and preoccupied, thinking about everything else except our mortality. We don't hear enough about how fragile we are as human beings, yeah. how temporary we are as human beings. Because like you quite rightly said, even if we live to, to, to 120 on earth, it's 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 nothing compared to eternity. Yep. Um, and, and I I don't think in the Western culture, certainly, we very rarely, unless maybe someone near to us dies, um, then do we stop to think about our mortality, to think about where we go from here we really then stop i think covid did this it brought some of these big questions to the forefront didn't it um and and i think when someone loses somebody or bereavement certainly does get people asking these questions but then you know the person's funeral happens they're buried and then life goes back to normal but it just feels like we're almost the system and, and life and the culture is designed to get us to be preoccupied, to think of everything else except the fact that you are going to die. And what happens when you die? You're going to be held accountable for your actions here on earth. Mm -hmm. Somebody is going to hold you accountable for your actions and your inactions. Mm -hmm. So the real question we should be asking ourselves at every given opportunity is when I'm held to account, will I be in credit or will I be in debit? Will go. I pass or will I fail? And I think maybe certainly as Christians, we need to get to the habit of asking ourselves that. Um, 
because you know we live in the world we're not of the world but we live in the world and we can very easily get caught up in that rat race quote unquote as they call it um so when we say your kingdom come are we ready the kingdom of god were to come back if jesus were to come back are we ready for your kingdom come and that is sometimes as a christian when you see the suffering in the world you see the pain and the sickness and the destruction sometimes your heart really does ache and sometimes you sometimes my heart really does ache and sometimes my heart really does say let your kingdom come lord especially when you see the level of depravity in the world mm-hmm. and you really do pray that prayer honestly let your kingdom come but then i sort of think do they really mean that because if his kingdom were to come like you say jesus will i be ready or do i have to go hang on a minute jesus before you come i'm just gonna go make peace with this person <laughs> there you go yeah there you go um, <laughs> that, that that that's why and sharon bolt uh uh vouch for this too that every time we're doing communion mm. and it is biblical because in corinthians we're told that you if you aren't right with everything it's you're uh you're not you're it, it's wrong to take holy communion and mm-hmm. we tell people every time before we take communion that and through the praise and worship mm-hmm. put yourself right with god if you have any grievance upset anger bitterness contempt pride whatever in your heart put it right with god through one of these praise and worship songs because we generally do a communion song like and then like three praise songs mm-hmm. so that you gives people 20 minutes to put themselves right before they take their uh, communion mm-hmm. and you know, people really should put 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 right any angers that they have with people mm-hmm. they really mm-hmm. should because they will be questioned about that at their at their judgment mm-hmm. they will and if it's something stupid like you know, well i would never forgive her because she didn't like the hat i wore to church 50 years ago is that not going to be so petty? Mm. Come on. Think about that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh, wow. And then, you know, I think perhaps the last section for tonight is your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yes. This is a powerful verse. Very good. And- so I don't think I appreciated this verse until I was praying for someone very close to me to be healed Uh because it was so poorly I think this was during COVID it was so poorly they were on oxygen and they were literally near death's door oh And I prayed and prayed and prayed. And I just remember thinking of Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane saying, let your will be done. Yes. Not my will, but your will. will. (laughs) And I think at that point, this particular verse started making sense because I was like, of course you say to come to you with petitions with prayer and thanksgiving to make our petitions known to you but ultimately 
when you go to God in your petitions, you have got to let go of your will. Yes. That's a hard thing to do when your will feels so contrary to what could be God's will. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane said his will was, if it's possible, let this cup be taken away from me. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus' will was to not go through the pain, the anguish that he knew was coming of the crucifixion, the whole process. That was Jesus' will. Yeah. And that would be anybody's will. Any sane normally functioning human being would not want to be subjected to what Jesus was about to be subjected and Jesus knew that and his humanity shone through at that point he was so perfectly human yet perfectly divine in that moment because he put his will down and laid it down in acceptance of God's will and like I said, that was a concept that I struggled with. But at that point, so this is at the height of COVID, I think this is 2021. At that point, I understood what it meant to go to God and lay down your will in exchange for his will no matter what he looks like, even knowing that his will is, could be completely contrary to what it is you're asking him to do. Exactly. And that's what happens with Jesus because God's will was for him to die on the cross to save the rest of his children. That was yep. God's will. <laughs> Jesus, that was not Jesus's will. Jesus was like, if it's possible, let me escape this because I don't, I don't want this. <laughs> exactly, yep. Mm-hmm. big time um, and so when we pray let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven see what are we really asking in that sentence we're praying that God will bring about his heavenly purpose here on earth mm. that's it mm. and uh, so when we're and I'm going to take this really deep because I know that there are a lot of women in the group that suffer from illnesses and pain. Mm-hmm. When they pray for healing, okay. and they don't get the healing, what encouragement can we give them? Because that's a hard place to be. Like oh, Big time, big time, big time. Like... You know that just this morning, a dear friend of mine passed away. She's only in mm-hmm. uh, late 40s. Mm. Oh, been, wow, she's that young. Very young. I've been praying for weeks that mm. she's going to be healed, mm. that she's going to be a wonderful testimony, uh, mm. uh, uh, that the healing of God and all the medical staff and everything would be amazed and they would just, oh, everybody would flock to Jesus. Yeah, I'm disappointed that she's died. But at the same time, you know, we've got to realize that not everybody here in the earthly realm will be healed physically. Mm. 
But I do guarantee that everybody can be healed spiritually. And yes. when we're healed spiritually, we're given that supernatural strength that we can go through yeah, anything. our physical pain. Yep. Yep. Yes, and, that's and, so important. Oh, my goodness, gee, I wish we could talk about this for hours and hours and hours, and we might have to pick up next week again. We will pick We'll pick up in this part next week again because there is there's still so much beef in this. There there really is. There really is. And you Paul, Paul had a thorn mm. in the flesh or a thorn in the side. People say it different ways. Doesn't matter what it was, but he asked God three times to take it from him. God said, No. Mm. My grace mm. is sufficient for you. Mm. So, so God can heal you. Oh yes, he can. But sometimes it's not in his will to heal you. No. no. And that's hard for, for, for somebody listening to this mm. that is suffering with mental health or physical yep, exactly. sicknesses or cancer mm -hmm. or infertility yep. or pain or in any sort of infirmity. Mm -hmm. That's hard. It is hard. It's very hard. It is. It, it really is very hard. And I feel for people like that. I really do. And it breaks my heart it, when, when I see them hurting. Mm. But many pastors and preachers and ministers and things, I've heard even some preachers say, you're not being healed because your faith's not strong mm -hmm. enough. And that's a little yes, bunkum. and that's... Yeah, that is bunkum. That really is. Oh, that, 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 really that angers me. That angers me so much. It me up the wrong way. Oh, it me really too. Does. Me too, sister. But you, know, one day we will find out why some people are healed and some people aren't healed, and that's the day when we're standing face to face with God in heaven, and we mm. ask Him, and He'll tell us why. Until then, I don't know why. Nobody knows why, mm. and it's not to do. Because I, you know, like, like you, I have heard some pastors or, or prayer people say, you know, you need to pray more. You need to have more faith. That's why you're not being healed. Even some people say you have to tithe more, give more yes. money. Yeah. Yes. And that is so wrong. And it's like, isn't it? And, they, and then they often quote, you know, with, with faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. And so if you just had faith, if you just had enough faith, you will be healed. And I'm like, no, no. Load of bunkum, load of bunkum. No. People do not be disheartened. Um, I was having a very interesting conversation with some of my colleagues in the office this week. And the, the, the theme that came across was that people turn away from religion people make people turn yep. away from religion and it saddens me and it broke my heart because we are god's ambassadors here on earth and mm -hmm. if we're doing this if if the example we're showing of our relationship is broken then we're sending people away from god we're driving people away from the cross Exactly. Exactly. There's a lot of Christians give Christianity a bad name. And yes. Of. Yeah, and a lot of them yes. are in the pulpits. A lot of them are in yes. leaderships. And a lot of them are sitting in the pews. And they're sitting there 
all holier than law and all godly in their Sunday best and their fancy Bibles and all the rest of it. Mm. But, you know, they need to take the dirty great big oak tree out, not just a plank, but the dirty great big oak tree <laughs> out of their eye before they start trying to tell somebody else about the wee speck in their eye. Mm. Yeah. And I think this is so important. Thank you so much, G, because I think we've opened up this wonderful conversation. I know it's a source of pain for a lot of people. I know it's a source, it's a sticking point for a lot of people when it comes to Christianity and trusting God, um, because they have been either lied to or deceived or um, been prayed to by charlatans who have told them different things. And then in turn, they have then turned, tended to doubt their faith in God or in Christ or doubt God's love for them because they've not been healed of X, Y, Z, or they've not or XYZ prayers have not been answered. And so they think, well, God really mustn't love me for him to not give me that. But what we're saying is it might not be his will yeah. for you to have that. Exactly. What you should be praying is, God, this is my will, but I lay my will down before your feet, mm -hmm. accepting and surrendering to you, praying only, Lord, that not my will, but your will be done on earth in my life as you have purposed it in heaven. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. We're going to pick this up next week because this we sure, is in the end. We, should, we sure We're going to open it up. We, you know we, 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 we could do a couple of weeks just in that one way. We're oh, really we could. Yeah. We could. <laughs> and you know what? Said, We're going to... Megan gets back too. Oh, my goodness. That's what me. I was just saying. Yeah. That's what I was just about to say. I said, we're going to pause it for here, here for now because we're going to pray that Ngun can join us in this conversation yep. next week because mm -hmm. I know how she feels about some of this and it would just be interesting. Um, to get her input and her wisdom into this conversation and shed some light. I'm aware that we've only done perhaps the first half of this prayer, and so we have the second half to go. So it'll be a really good place to pick it up again um, next week. But thank you to everybody who's listened. Thank you, Sharon, for your lovely contribution at the start. It was, um, yeah, very, very, very welcome and very thought-provoking as well. So thank you. Um, shall we pray before we say goodnight? Go ahead. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this prayer that Jesus taught us how to pray. It is packed. It is wonderful. It is edifying. It is encouraging. It's worshipping of you. It's praiseful of you. It's celebrating you in all your magnificence as creator, as father, as counsellor, as provider, as protector. Um, it is just all-encompassing. Lord, we want to thank you for this wonderful prayer. Lord, we ask that as we um, take a break this week, let's reflect on some of the things that we have um, been able to learn this week um, and help us to come back next week to it with fresh eyes to be able to learn more from the second half. Help us, Lord, give us the grace to surrender our will to you. The human will is such a wonderful thing because you gave us the gift of free will. Mm -hmm. It's such a strong thing, emotion, but it's also such a, uh, it can be also such a damning thing when we decide to hold on to that will against all us, even when it's against your will. Help us, Lord, as your children, as children of the Most High, to be able to let go of our will, to surrender our will, and instead pray earnestly let not our will be done in our lives, but your will be done on earth in our lives as you have destined it in heaven. Because that's a wonderful prayer. And if we seriously and honestly walk in your will for us, 
Heavenly Father, heaven is our home. Even here on earth, we will experience heaven when we walk in your will for us. Because you know what you made us for. You know that which you purposed and destined us for. We thank you, Lord, for those that perhaps have a father in their life, that they've been able to um, see some of your glory through their earthly fathers, those that have wonderful relationship with their fathers. We give you praise for them, Lord, because they've been able to experience that. But for those, Lord, that do not have a wonderful father figure in their life, that are just looking up to you, we thank you, Lord, because you promised to be a father to the fatherless. Mm. We thank you, Lord, because we know, Lord, that in you, you will not only plug the hole that of what they lack, you will fill them up with love and everything that they're missing from the Father. And so, Lord, we want to thank you because in your bounty, Lord, they can just enjoy knowing you. We can all enjoy knowing you and coming to you as our Father for that personal relationship. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for um, your grace. Thank you for your provision thus far. Thank you for safety. We ask, Lord, that you would keep us all in good health, Lord. We continue to pray for Ngum and her family at this time. Lord, that you would be with them um, and you would strengthen them. We pray, Lord, for Wendy, um, Lord, and her family that she's left behind and her husband. We ask, Lord, that you would comfort him um, in this, what must be a very, very, very difficult time, Lord. And it would just fill your comforting arms around them. Promise, Lord, that you are near to the brokenhearted. But we ask, Lord, that they would know your presence evermore this time as they are grieving. Be with them, Lord. Stay close to them. Um, and let them in turn stay close to you. And just know that, Lord, apart from you, that burden would just be too much for them. But with you by their side, the burden becomes lighter. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Say goodnight to everybody in Facebook land. Good night, Facebook. And say goodnight to everybody in uh, Zoom land. Good night, everybody. <laughs> I'm playback. Ready to go. Hello, everybody. It's the lovely trio. We are back. Goom is back in the room, everybody. Hi, guys. <laughs> <laughs> We have missed her the last two weeks, um, but we've we've prayed for, prayed for her and with her alongside her family. Yeah. So, but it's lovely to have you back with us, smiling, Thank which you. is good. And we are looking forward to your contribution. Um, so tonight, everybody, um, it's part two of the Lord's Prayer. So last week we thought we did the Lord's Prayer, and it was so juicy and bountiful as as the word of god is but we got so stuck in that i think we only managed three verses <laughs> <laughs> wow and that was part one so we are hoping to make a bit more progress tonight but if we don't then obviously there'll yeah. be part three to this it'll be it's a three-part series and it's not a two-part series um but just to give you a bit of a recap we um decided to go with Matthew's version of it. So that's found in Matthew 6, um, and it's from verse 9. Um, so we started with our Father in heaven. I'm using the NIV version, um, just say so you know. I was just about we started to ask. With, mm, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we spoke about the idea of it being a collective 
um, the word our there being a collective as well as individual relationship, you know, father invokes quite a personal um, feeling, but the word our as a collective, we spoke about the idea of, you know, God being in heaven, watching over us and, and looking down on us, but also the idea of um, majesty and being in heaven enthroned on his throne of grace and looking down on us. Um, and then we explore the idea of hallowed be your name. I think Giselle in one of her versions said, you know, honor and esteem um, be the name of God. You know, so we spoke about using the, the word of the name of the Lord in vain. We spoke about perhaps how we can honor God in our everyday lives, um, you know, and then your kingdom come. We spoke about, you know, wanting God's kingdom to come and how sometimes as Christians we can yearn for that so much um especially when we look around the evil in the world we might just want God's kingdom to come but then on the flip side we we explore the idea of are you kingdom ready if his kingdom really were to come here and now are you ready for his kingdom to come so it's all well and good yearning to say you know Lord let your kingdom come and and do away with all the evil in the world but you've really got to look inside yourself and and think are you kingdom ready if his kingdom were to come now are you ready for that um and we also explore the idea of what is the kingdom of god you know we spoke about jesus um you know stating that he was the kingdom the kingdom of god was within us or amongst us when he was here on earth and say let your kingdom come might imply and um, by extrapolation that that's the second coming of jesus and so if his kingdom is coming, as when he was here on earth, he said the kingdom of God is among us. And so if he is the kingdom coming back again, are we ready for that? You know, is that alluding to his coming again to be amongst us? Um, your will be done on earth. Um, it's like, again, God's sovereignty as Christians, um, as it is in heaven, you know, how do we accept the will of God? And, and this idea of our will and God's will and that constant tension um between the two and then as a believer just submitting yourself to the will of god and and and, and i think more this is sort of where we kind of ended off last week because it was so interesting but we're looking at the idea of um you know jesus in in gethsemane saying let not my will mm. but your will be done and how do you submit yourself to the will of god when sometimes it can be so contrary to your will um, and we looked at the idea of, you know, Jesus's will in the garden was for the cup to pass him by. He didn't like, he, you know, his, hum his humanity, his human self didn't want to go through with it. His no. will in the garden was if it's possible, because he knew what was coming, the immense pain and torment yes. and agony he was going to go through. And so in that moment, we see him so utterly human um but also so devoutly human but also so divine because at that point he's able to do what a lot of us struggle with he's able to lay down his will for the will of the father to be done even though the will of the father meant death for him mm -hmm. and that is something that as christians you know, we spoke about we really must do and, you know, the idea of suffering here and, and perhaps praying but not getting an answer or the answer that you want or if you're 
you know, we spoke about this this thing about, you know, some some pastors saying, you know, if you're praying for healing, for example, and you're not getting your healing, the um implication or the implied meaning might be your faith is not enough or you're not praying hard enough, you know. Um, and we sort of explored that what does that mean, you know, because ultimately God wants all of us to be safe. He wants healing for our souls. And um, but this side of heaven all our bodies might not be healed. Um, and we sort of explored that. How do we then pray so that we submit our will, lay down our will and take on God's will for us. And God's mm -hmm. will might very well be that we're not healed in this, in this, you know, in this life, this side of heaven, we're not healed. Um, you know, we spoke about, Paul and his, you know, his thought, the thorn in his flesh that he, he said, and we didn't quite know what that was, but, you know, perhaps we should also pray for grace to live with whatever circumstances we find ourselves here. Um, so yeah, so it was very rich and that's sort of where we got to. Um, oh. And we're sort of going to unpack that little bit because I think we sort of rushed through it towards the end of, of last week. So we're just going to unpack it and... Maybe start with Jungum, um, you know, the idea of your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. What does that um, sort of evoke in you? Um, I think it just, it makes me actually think what's going on in heaven, if I'm honest. Okay. It's almost like, I think it follows very well from your kingdom come, right? Because it's almost as if it's telling us how earth should really be. Earth should mirror heaven. Okay. That's what I see there. Because if God's will is, I assume that in heaven, God's will is always done, right? We know at some point in heaven, there was a rebellion, but God dealt with that. So, if Jesus is saying your will be done on us in heaven means people in heaven are very like they're obedient to God they are mm -hmm. of one mind with God so I think Jesus is also saying that here's the standard that we should copy you know right. maybe yeah. for me personally I want to think oh my goodness what's heaven like right what's yeah. what's heaven because if I knew what heaven like is like I think it will help me to know what to copy. You know, all mm. these people have all these amazing dreams and visions and they go to mm. heaven. Mm. Like, why does that not happen to me? <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's, and, and I think, I suppose, sort of draw away from that, that's also recognizing the fact that ultimately God's will is the best for us. Yeah. Um, yeah. because his will is is where we should be if we're in his will then we are yeah. ultimately yeah. to use the very very secular phrase living our best lives <laughs> if we're in his will no, it's true it's true and I think that like you said before it's hard and even Jesus demonstrates how hard that can be, mm. right? I, I often have my own version in my head of how Jesus prayed that prayer. Like, man, I don't want to die for these fools, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, like, these people, are they really worth it? But you know what? He then had to remember the initial agreement, right? And God's will can be so different from what we want. It's mm. so true. 
And so, like you said, Sidoni, I think there needs to be, I know that, to be honest, it takes grace. It actually takes God to help you mm-hmm. to bow to his will sometimes. Because, I mean, yes. sometimes, I mean, let's be honest, God, there's a very cool side to God where there are things that God would do. You'll be like, what? You know, you, you, you're down with this, basically, right? You're happy with it because God doesn't always want us to suffer. That's when, you know, it's God's will, like you said, for you to be healed. It's God's will for you to get married or have a child or, or you hear in the Bible, they say, okay, God opened Hannah's womb, right? So mm-hmm. it was his will for Hannah to have a child. That was cool. Hannah mm-hmm. was 100% with God on that one. But so there are times when God's will actually, it always benefits us. But I mean, God's will sometimes is easily palatable to us. Mm-hmm. But there are times when, like, for example, we 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 talk a lot here about forgiveness, and I think it's something we will never stop talking about because it is very hard to forgive people who have hurt you mm-hmm. when you are genuinely. It's not like you're making it of your legitimate. How do you forgive? I don't know that husband who left you with two small mm-hmm. children for another woman, mm-hmm. you know, and then twenty five years down the line or whatever, he comes saying he's sorry when you've mm-hmm. done all the heavy lifting of bringing up the mm-hmm. children, and he's like oh, can I have an invitation to our daughter's wedding? And you're mm-hmm. like, what? So those are <laughs> mm-hmm. very hard things. But then you go to your pastor and your pastor says, it's God's will that you forgive this man, mm. right? He may even want to turn up with the wife, the new wife that he left out right. for. Like, <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, mm-hmm. okay, you may have to set some boundaries, but this is just to show you that, you know, sometimes you're like, God, I can't believe you want me to forgive this man. He did X, Y, and Z to me. But God will be like, forgive him. Because I think, Giselle, I think both of you have said it. God's way is always best for us. Because when you really look at forgiveness, for example, God is insisting, forgive him, forgive him, forgive him, because it's for your own liberation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so, for sure. Yeah. And there is no way Jesus' plea was going to fly. I can imagine Jesus being in heaven and thinking, what was I even thinking? Why did I even think this to even work? Right? Just as yeah. you know, children will try things on their parents. Mm. So when you have kids, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. your kids will come up with a proposal and you're just like, please, you know, because the thing is, God was like, I don't think God enjoyed seeing Jesus suffer, right? No. God is not a no, no. But God had to think, son, look at the big picture. We have a plan oh. here. This plan has to go because ultimately it benefited jesus himself his name became lifted above every other name mm. and it benefited us we would have been god knows what would have happened to us oh, right for sure so so god's will triumphed and i think that's why jesus kind of quickly caught himself and he was like no i've been with this guy from the beginning i know how he works uh. and i think sometimes that's how we need to just look at it and say lord you know what i don't know mm. And even mm. though I don't know this thing, because I think for many humans, it's the vacuum. So mm. you just say, you know things yeah, that God I don't know. Yeah, God the big picture, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, Jesus in Gethsemane is just, it's such a powerful, it evokes in me, certainly, um, such a powerful image of the divine being so human. Mm. Um. And and then, but then also the the frailty and short sightedness of the human 
mind because Jesus obviously knew what he was coming for. He knew why he was coming. But in that moment of humanity and and, and Mm. human weakness, he lost sight of the big picture. You know, he was, because sometimes as human beings, we can be so focused on our here and our now and our pain and our suffering that we lose sight of the big picture. And we can very, that can very quickly turn us against God or, 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 or turn, make us turn our backs to God because we're so, and quite rightly so, you know, the pain is intense, the suffering is intense, um, but it can drive us. We need to be careful that it doesn't drive us to then turn our backs on Christ and lose sight of the bigger picture um, that we mm. know because as Christians, you know, we know what the bigger picture is. But yes, you know, sometimes absolutely. when the trials come, um, you know, as they it's say, hard. when the proverbial hits the fan, it's yeah. hard to lay down your will like Jesus did there and then and mm. say, let not my will, but yours be done. Um, okay, so moving on. The next verse says, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. Giselle, what do you take from that? Simply. Mm. Few Bible verses. Man shall not live by bread alone. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Mm. Okay. And if we look at John chapter six, verses 48 through 51, where Jesus mm. himself said, you know, is our daily bread and his provision. He's saying that, you know, I am the bread. I'm your strength, your vision, your redemption, your freedom, your protector, yeah. your guide, your everything. Mm. Next question. Yeah. oh okay mic drop moving right there (laughs) well well, well, come on come on come on you can't really say sounding like a politician there (laughs) (laughs) what about you give us today our daily break yeah i mean g is right um about give us but i also like the bit where it says man shall not survive by bread alone which means Mm -hmm. bread is also important right food God put food on this earth. When you see how God made the world, he was very deliberate about food. Mm. Food is something that I thank God a lot for. Mm. When I eat my favorite foods, I'm like, whoa, God, you're a genius. You know, but I think what it also means is that there is an aspect to God that is a provider, right? Mm. We hear in the Bible that he gives us a part to make wealth. You know, when people are hungry, God provides them food. So I think it's also about acknowledging Mm. the source of your 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 sustenance mm-hmm. the very most basic for what is our most basic need as human beings food and water right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i think that is just saying to you that look everything that you eat every day yes you may have money to go out and buy this thing but ultimately it comes from god mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we know that there are times in this world when money has been useless some of us here studied history I remember, I think it was when they had the big crash in Germany in mm. the 20s or whenever it was, where people had tons of money, but they couldn't buy bread because the inflation was crazy. So, so it's not always about money. It's always about knowing that, yes, even though physically you have the strength and you can go and do these things, there is a whole lot that is happening in the background for that provision to be possible for you. And it's very easy for us as human beings to forget that. 
because we have these abilities, we have money, we have physical strength. But a short sightedness. Yeah. Somebody in a refugee camp is probably more able to appreciate this sentence mm. than you and I. But yeah. Yeah, but 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 also what it means, yes, you know, it's our physical food. We do need physical food, and man shall not live by bread alone. Mm. But it's also our spiritual food. Well, absolutely. I think it's both. The beautiful thing with the Bible is that you can you can one thing can mean many things, I think. But what I'm just saying here is that for me, I think it's important to know that even the physical is very linked to the spiritual because if God doesn't provide, God being a spirit, where are you going to get it from? Just because you put a seed in the ground doesn't mean it's going to grow. Mm. So we have to understand that. Man plants yes. are following waters, but God does the increase. Mm. There you so go. Yep. Mm. That daily bread, you know, the means to get that daily bread, but your physical strength, it all comes literally, I think he's just saying that God, you are the source and mm. we need to acknowledge but yeah, I mean, I mean, you made a point earlier, and you know, it sort of struck me. Food is important; it's a very primal need, mm-hmm. um, and it's 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 interesting that one of the the temptation that the devil gives Satan, uh, Jesus in the wilderness yes. is food. Yes, he tries yes. to tempt him with food. It's also interesting that one, if not the very first reasons why the Israelites complain in the desert is food before god provides them manna hunger man hunger yeah so there's there's a primal basic need there where god knows that if your belly (laughs) is wrong you're gonna sin man you're gonna turn you're gonna become i mean we all have the ability to be israelites anyway we all you know grumbling whingy whiny complainers um but, you know, for me, God recognizes, I mean, he's made us, so he knows what our needs are. Um, but he knows that one of our primal needs, physically, certainly, is food. And without food, yeah. we can become grumbly, whiny people like the Israelites <laughs> in the desert. And then he has to provide them with manna. But also, interestingly, exactly. the manna was was daily and he he instructed them to eat just for today and not save it up for tomorrow um, don't be greedy and and this prayer almost kind of reflects that give us today our mm. daily bread and jesus says you know don't worry about tomorrow tomorrow will take care of itself so it has enough problems of its own um and it's it's that invitation to rest on him for daily sustenance and know that aside from him or apart from him you can't even feed yourself like you can't even satisfy your most basic need um and and it's it's you know it's that thing of even if you how many people how many times have you eaten but not really felt satisfied like do you know what I mean like like you might have you might go to like the fanciest restaurant and you just eat and you have this massive appetite because you're really hungry and you eat but you're not there's just something missing yeah and then also how many times have you just come home opened up a tin of soup put it in the microwave eaten it and just gone there and gone thank you jesus that was so lovely yeah but there's something satisfying about like like not just belly satisfying soul satisfying 
about recognizing the provision of food like rec- like eating and knowing that this is the father's father providing for me mm-hmm. um and there's also you know this also says about like a uh knowing that we have a need because like you're saying how many people have money and they go to these fancy restaurants and they have like five-star michelin meals and they eat but they're still yeah. not happy like yeah. I'm they're sorry, miserable. a lot of times that food may not even be all that maybe they're just miserable because the food, <laughs> <laughs> because the food wasn't Let's good <laughs> because the thing with god is and i know sydney is very into all you know sydney is a huge foodie right she's into her oh i love food and <laughs> this Sidonis prayer was for me sydney <laughs> can be very artistic about food and I think one of the things that I love is that, like we said, God doesn't just say, okay, you need food. Here you go. Just have whatever will sustain you. Like, it's nice. God takes his time. This is the thing that I like about God, because if you really look at the food on earth, I don't know about you guys, right? But I love peanuts. Like one of my favorite things on this planet. When I'm eating peanuts, there are times when I've broken into prayer eating peanuts. Because mm. I'm just like, God, like you're just too amazing how did you come up with this <laughs> you know so i love mm. that god doesn't just doesn't just give us things like basic pick it go no he takes his time and makes stuff nice Thanks, I just yeah yeah and it's it's it, you know it's it's and the word us there is communal it's not you're not saying give me my daily bread yeah. you're saying give us yes. and again yep. you know it reflects that initial our father it's yeah. communal. Even though your hunger is primal, your hunger is individualistic. The bread is for you, and you've almost sort of got to, like Giselle was saying, this also alludes to you know spiritual bread. You've got to accept yeah. the bread. When the bread comes, you've got to accept the bread. When the bread of life comes, mm-hmm. you've got to accept the bread. But it's a, there's, there's also this idea of of community, of fellowship, mm-hmm. of it being a collective. Even though your hunger and your need is individual. But we come to the table together to eat it, um, mm. you know, and it's it's this give. It's not sell. It's not lend. It's give. And it's a very humbling thing. Oh, wow. It's like a yes. child going to their to their father and like, like, you know, you know, you can't pay your your parents back for anything they did for you. So you just go up and go, Daddy, please, can I have, you know, <laughs> five pounds or can I have more sweeties like you're not saying oh daddy lend me five pounds like (laughs) most toddlers don't go up to their parents and go oh can you lend me a pound please i'll give it back to you tomorrow they just say (laughs) daddy please can i have a pound for some sweeties like it's that childlike dependence on god i think this is an invitation for like you say not just spiritual food uh, but also physical daily bread because I imagine back in the day bread was like a staple like like mm. if you had like bread was you needed bread to survive type thing we didn't have fancy five-star restaurants bread was literally the bread of life <laughs> um, you know I like the point the point you made about a child um saying can I have I can actually see Nathan asking you that Sydney and saying mm. can I have a pound for sweeties but I love that like children don't even imagine where you're going to get the money from no. no, they just know that it's gonna come. Yep. Yeah, you know, like they are so sure that the money is there. Like 
they don't really it's only when they get older that they may think okay oh maybe mommy may not have enough but mm. a little child just believes like oh auntie can i have this big thing for christmas like yeah. how do you know that i've got the money you know mm. and i think it's that same thing if we look at god with that kind of trust where you're going to god knowing that he's capable of doing things mm. he may not do what you want and that comes back to the will you know, you may say, oh, God, I need a new car. It's not that he can't give you a new car. But he's thinking if you have this new car, you'll be irresponsible. But mm. he's capable. And I think we need to understand that because I think sometimes we limit God. Just because God doesn't do what you want doesn't mean that he's not capable. God is very capable of everything. But he would decide what is say something. Yeah, I was. And I was just checking it because I knew what I wanted to say, but I couldn't remember chapter and verse. But it's in Mark 10, 14 to 15. And it's that the children come to me. Don't hinder mm. them. You know, but God wants us to come to him with a childlike faith. Mm. No matter how old we are. And like, unfortunately, you know, I was never able to have children. So I've not been a mother. I'll never be a grandmother. But all of you that do have children, you know that no matter how old the children are, they're still going to be your kids. Mm-hmm. You know, even, even when the children are 60s and 70s and you're in your 90s they're or still your child. <laughs> they're still, still your wee child, aren't they? So that's how oh. God looks at us, no matter what age mm-hmm. we are. And, you know, that's a good point, actually, G, because yeah. like when, the, when your children, like when you give your children breakfast or dinner, they're not thinking about tomorrow. Like, like they just yeah. concerned. They know that you will feed them tomorrow. Like they're gonna they're eat gonna what you give them today. They just yeah. assume. They leave in the it's happy assumption that tomorrow's provision is gonna be there. And it even says mm. the drifters, doesn't it? You know, be like the sparrows in the field. Don't worry about where the food's gonna come from. Exactly. You know, and I think yeah. we really do have to depend, put our trust, put our faith more on God. We really mm. do. Because, like you, you okay. You know all the old analogies and all the old cliches and everything. You can't go back into yesterday and correct what you did wrong. And don't worry about tomorrow because you're mm-hmm. really tomorrow mightn't come for anybody. But you mm-hmm. worrying about yesterday, what you did wrong, and worrying about tomorrow, you're robbing yourself of joy today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so true. And we should be living for the here and now, for the present. Mm-hmm. And you know, the here and now, the present is I think didn't we talk about it a couple of weeks ago I saw the Mimi uh, card and I posted it uh, on Facebook that um uh oh what was it this world ain't my home I'm just here recruiting oh yeah <laughs> I love that I really do mm. love that and you mm. and that is my ambition in life my mm. ambition in life is to get to heaven yes and, no that's and mm take as many people with me as I can with you as you can <laughs> that's it that's a great ambition that is yeah. my ambition in life it really is mm-hmm. and you know I just pray that God gives me uh, uh blesses me with that and lets me fulfill it with a for an awful lot more and a lot and an awful lot more years too yeah mm-hmm. I'll drag them kicking and screaming so I will repent <laughs> repent repent <laughs> for the kingdom of God is at hand yeah big time. <laughs> um Yes. Okay. Well, our next verse says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Um, 
there's a sense of the collective there as well. Forgive us our debts. And and I love this because this is not an hour. This is an us, meaning you're recognizing that you also need <laughs> forgiveness in that us. It's a it's an mm. inclusive collective. Like it's including yourself in there. Forgive us our trespasses, our debts, our sins, depending on which version you're reading. Um, as we have also forgiven our um those who sin against us. It's you know, the version most of us recited in, in school assemblies. Um we've spoken we've we've spoken a lot about forgiveness, you know, over 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 a hundred series now, I think we have we've done. Um and this idea of forgiveness freeing us. Mm-hmm. But there's also and this this was a, a discussion in the group, I think a couple of weeks or maybe even last week, the idea of if you recognize how much you for, you've been forgiven, mm-hmm. it helps you to forgive. Yep. And so when you come to God saying, forgive me my sins, as I've also forgiven those who've sinned against me, you're almost saying, <laughs> this is a tall order, but I'm going to do it because I've been forgiven. Like I'm going to forgive because I've already been forgiven. And it's that parable, isn't it, of the the, the servant, the cruel servants that Jesus mm-hmm. told, who was forgiven a lot. But then the minute he left outside and went to the courtyard, he was assaulting a, a fellow servant who owed him, I think it was something mm. like a tenth of what he'd just been forgiven. Exactly. Um, and I, you know, I was speaking speaking with with Ngum this morning, and when you put things into perspective, you kind of think, hang on a minute. If I acknowledge how many times <laughs> <laughs> a minute <laughs> I sin against God in thoughts, in actions, in words. I really have no oh, business man. withholding forgiveness from somebody else. Like that that has probably offended me once a month or or once in my lifetime. Like if I if I if I know if I acknowledge the frequency mm. and depth of my depravity and wickedness of my heart um against the holiness of a holy God then I really have no business withholding forgiveness from somebody else. Yep. Because God is so holy that I can't even approach his throne of grace, yet he makes a way for me to. I'm not even that holy. To withhold forgiveness from somebody almost seems sometimes to me as though you're setting yourself up to be on par with God. You are. You're saying you're, you're... You're equal well, to or whatever to God. Because mm. God is the only one in my eyes that has the power to withhold forgiveness. Exactly. And the power to punish yeah. and condemn. Exactly. exactly. And even that, he won't even do it if you beg him and repent. Like, he won't. Like, he's given you an he out. Really exactly. But if you then withhold from somebody who has even repented and is contrite and is remorseful, you withhold forgiveness and you're kind of 
in a roundabout way saying you're better than god like yeah like i'm so holy that my anger cannot be appeased like you know (laughs) and you yeah I'm, I'm going I'm going to say it again what a lot of people don't realize when they're holding on to unforgiveness mm. they're making themselves sick mm. oh yes they really are and the person that they won't forgive is way on enjoying life and are totally oblivious yeah. to the fact that that other person <laughs> is wound up in unforgiveness mm. that's and, the worst part G. Isn't it? It really is. And come on, you admit it. You all have these scenarios. You play these scenes out <laughs> in your head that as soon as I see him again, I'm going to tell him I what for. And then he will say X, Y, and Z to me, and I will just tell him what for again. And, and you get yourself all wound up. And hatred. Mm. No, no. Mm. He may not mm. even care. Yeah. That's mm. the worst part that some people yeah. don't care. Some mm. people. Like Sidoni, you said about some people being remorseful. Some people literally don't care. Okay. There may be somebody, right, who says, I scammed you of your life savings and I really mm. don't care. Mm. You but you still have to forgive them. Yes, you should have been smarter. You should have known better or whatever. Like they would defend themselves. I've seen, I mean, just mm. the other day, I was watching something on TV. Maybe some of you have seen this. A show in America where, I mean, this was really bad. A woman, right? I think she lied that her husband or ex-husband sexually molested his children. I mean, that's a mm. big lie to tell. And this mm. literally cost this guy a lot. I think he was separated from the kids for like for years. Mm. And then eventually the truth comes out. And the the man now, to, she, he confronts her on this show. And then the woman is like, he said something like, why did you not fight for them harder? Can you believe this? You've ruined this mm. man's life mm. by lying. And then when mm. he confronts you, you try to defend yourself. And then he turns around now and says, oh, can you forgive me? And one, I didn't think her, her, her remorse was sincere, but I felt for the guy because mm. he, he was clearly not ready to write. And I'm mm. hoping that at some point he will be there because I think sometimes it is, let's be honest, forgiveness is not always easy. No. no. And so there is also a need to, for anything, God can help us for grace. Mm. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, if somebody said something like that about me, it would be hard to forgive. Mm-hmm. And there are times when you just have to say, God, I cannot do this on my own. You for need sure. to help me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anger and forgiveness are things that for some people, it's a very big thing. For some people, mm-hmm. it may even run in their families. Anger on forgiveness. It's very worth looking at the kind of environment that you grew up in mm-hmm. to see how it even affects your attitude towards forgiveness. And so once you know those things and you know how to pray, you know what to ask God help for or to go and find people who can help you. Mm-hmm. A lot of us have so many things to unpack. So we are not just struggling because we're wicked. Mm-hmm. We're struggling sometimes because these have been coping mechanisms for us to be tough, you know, and then suddenly you're just going to have to give that up. No, it's not mm-hmm. always easy. Mm, for sure. Yeah. Okay. And our, our last verse says, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, in James 1, I think it's 13, I stand corrected, but I think James 1, 13, it says God does not tempt us to sin. And so when, when we read that, when we read this verse against that, and we know the Bible doesn't lie, and God doesn't contradict himself, that then says to me that 
you know, we, we need, there's, a, there's perhaps a different way we need to look at this. Um, and so lead us not into temptation, but perhaps, yeah. be, you know, to not allow us or permit us yeah. to be tempted to sin. So the temptation will come, but that temptation is not of God. Yeah. But it's almost like we've said and reiterated, we could pray for the grace to not then give in to that temptation. So it's almost, this prayer could almost mean do not allow us or permit us to sin um, or to fall mm-hmm. into the temptation when the temptation comes. Please give us the grace yeah. to avoid the temptations. And, you know, it's like, yes. it's like you know, um, you, you come to, you walk through a, a corridor and you've got these doors open doors and in one of them is I say um anger in another one is self self selfishness another one's greed and you know your weak point is greed okay or pride let's go with pride um you know your weak point is pride and one of those doors is pride and you stand there going there's the temptation right there it's almost saying what Lord, please give me the strength to not walk through that door, to not open that door yeah. and walk into, into pride. So this is not so much saying that God is tempting us. To me anyway, one of the ways we can look into this is saying, um, help us to not give into temptation. when Because temptation, temptation is going to come mm-hmm. um, in whatever guise. Oh, it will. Yeah, some it of will. us are more mm-hmm. susceptible to certain kinds of temptations <laughs> than others. But, you know, they're yeah. going to come um chocolate (laughs) (laughs) you know what's funny though sometimes some people some people when they're having a hard day have a bar of chocolate but then Mm. i know of other people who have two bars of chocolate Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and a cup of coffee Mm. yeah i tell you Mm -hmm. yes I i suspect that i know that person yeah. I, I, I think you do yes <laughs> oh, yes oh. But you know what's so funny like like if you're being tempted right I think sometimes you don't even realize it like it just happens but there are yeah. other times when yeah and this can you know. Get humorous. you know that is a temptation and I think that yeah. tends to be like sometimes somebody does something to you you're just like what yeah you ah. just have a Jesus and Peter moment you're just like get yeah yeah there are times when you just know and even though you're annoyed or upset, you're just that, you know, I'm so not even going to, to, to mm. deal with this because I know what it is. Yeah, G, what were you going to say? I was going to say that also in the Greek, the word temptation can mm. also mean trials. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So Let it's lead us not into, into trials. So what were you saying? Even when I was thinking about this earlier, um, earlier today, oh, I was thinking. You're right. Look at the footnote. But like when I was thinking about this earlier, I was like, I was thinking of Job, right? You know, like Satan goes and has this discourse with, with God about like mm. putting Job through all these trials. But we can, this prayer is also a petition to say, like if Satan comes to you, Lord, <laughs> please just turn him away. Just like, I don't want a Job moment in my life. Yeah, but at the same please, time. Don't praise me, me to the devil, please. But then yeah. that's interesting because at the same time, you've, obviously already prayed earlier that god's will should be done so if god chooses to accept for satan to give you a job-sized trial you've got to accept 
God's will and go, okay, I will take the job size trial, but I'm also trusting that you'll give me the strength to endure and not Mm. give into the temptation of turning my back against you when I lose everything. Exactly, because it also says in James chapter one and verse three that your faith is tested. Uh, you're in, you know, sorry, when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Mm, oh, I like James. Like that James. book is not called the book of wisdom for no reason. Like no. it's packed, I know. very full. packed, small, I know. but incredible. It's like incredible. loaded. It's like dynamite. Um, yeah. It is, isn't it? On Sunday night, I'm going to be talking about Jesus' other half brother, Jude. Mm, okay. Oh, James. Jude. Uh, yeah, Jude. I'm, I'm, I'm joining well, I like Jude as well. Yeah, it's good. You know, do not let Psalm one four one verse four says, "Do not let my heart be drawn into these things." But it's like this whole prayer is a reflection of a Christian life. Uh huh. Yeah. This is what your life as a Christian. If somebody asked you. And it's interesting because this is one of the most popular prayers in Christendom. Even people that aren't Christians know this prayer. Like you go to funerals, you go to baptisms, you go to weddings. At some point in the church service, especially if it's a church service, you will hear this prayer. Mm -hmm. You probably would have said it at school assemblies. Um, It's such a well-known prayer. But when you actually think about it, it is a complete reflection of the Christian's life. It's the collectiveness of our fellowship with of the saints together it's the individual reliance on god as a father as a provider um it's that childlike dependence on him for daily sustenance not really trying to eat some today and save it for tomorrow because you know tomorrow's meal is already assured and god is already in tomorrow providing for you it's that idea of manna that god provided like before they even woke up the manna was already on the floor like god provided for them while they were still sleeping like He's looking out for you when you're not even looking out for yourself. Like that's how, that's how, that's how he is. And it's that whole thing of, you know, his mercies are new every morning. Um, Mm. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. And it's just, he's there. Like even before we get there, he's there. He's there. And as Christians, we believe in that. We believe in that omnipotency. We believe in his sovereignty. We believe in his provision. We believe in the fact that he's the bread of life. Like we, like even though we can't live by bread alone, he still gives us bread. Like he gives us food for our souls and food for our bodies. And he recognizes that we are a windy, whiny, really annoying group of people, especially when we're hungry. Um, and he provides for us physically yep. and spiritually. Um, yeah. But then he also he provides for us. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's an aspect of arm in arm, brother, arm in arm, sister. Like I'm here for you. You're here for me. And together we'll go to the father together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we get there, you know, we say, forgive me my sins. Mm-hmm. Because in so doing, I will then forgive other people. Because whilst I'm yet sinning, you sent your son to die for me. Like whilst I'm there kicking and rebelling against you you love me so much that you send your only son to die for me so then what right do I have to withhold forgiveness from somebody else 
exactly something mm. i have received freely i then need to give freely uh-huh. um, you know and it's this whole thing of in our walks he recognizes the fact that we'll have temptations we'll have trials but we petition him to help us to not give in to those temptations mm-hmm. um, and when the temptations come the trials come especially the job-sized ones um to give us the grace to say yet not my will but your will be done Amen. and if his will is a job-sized trial then we know that he'll give us strength to bear it yep. um well said, so don't I. This is like, mm. this is only Jesus could have prayed this sort of prayer. One, yeah. two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, mm-hmm. nine, ten, eleven lines in my the way my Bible set it out. Only Jesus could have encapsulated the whole message of Christianity in eleven lines. Amen. Exactly. Forgiveness, redemption, yeah. provision, that is sustenance. Mm. <laughs> Covers it like all. Any Jesus could have done that. <laughs> Covers yeah. it all. No, it's and I really like that point that it's literally a summary of the life of a Christian. I'd mm. never seen it like that, but it really is. And it's it's almost a manifesto. It's one of those things that you just here you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like only Jesus be. could have yeah. acted it full like that and gone. This is this is your life. Yeah. Pray this. When you pray, which is how he starts mm. this, this then is how you should pray. Like when you pray, pray like this, because in doing so, you come to the Father, you honor his name, you worship his name, you hallow his name, mm-hmm. um, you pray for his will to be done in your life, you submit your will mm-hmm. to his, you bend your will to the Father's will, you accept it. You pray for his kingdom to come here on earth as it is in heaven, acknowledging that he's in heaven and his sovereign throne, ruling over the affairs of his people. Then you come to him and you petition him for forgiveness. Because why won't he forgive you yeah. if you believe in his son who's come to die for you? Of course he'll forgive you. But then when he forgives you, do not withhold forgiveness from your brother, because then we're exactly. all brothers and sisters on this walk. Um, and it's it's interesting that. Jesus doesn't use the word I, you, me. There's no sing- singular term in this prayer. Nope. It's all collective. Yep. Exactly. That's what it's Yeah. So, yeah, it's been like a revealing conversation. Thank oh, you, ladies. Very... Um, Thank you. Shall we close out in prayer? Yes, Sadone, where you go. Go for it. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to just have a little insight into this wonderfully packed prayer. Mm. Um, It's been such a blessing, so rich, and I'm sure we could go on forever and ever and ever if we even just wanted to cook it but word by word. But thank you for all the lessons that we've learned. Thank you for the way you've revealed yourself in this prayer um, and the way you have shown us and told us and instructed us to relate to you and also with each other mirroring your love for us thank you heavenly father that we as christians have the privilege of calling you our father um, and coming to you each day for our daily bread whether that's spiritual bread by the form of grace to, to go through each day and each trial or that's just physical bread to be able to eat each day um, 
give us the strength to work, to provide for our families, um, and give us the grace to bear our trials, whatever they may be, health, um, family, um, grief, um, whatever those trials may be. Give us the grace to bear them each day for your mercies are new every morning. Thank you for um, the wonderful privilege and ability to come to you, Lord, and say, forgive us our sins, Lord. That is a place where not many people actually can get to that place. And we pray, Lord, that more and more people come to know of you and more and more people come to you, Lord, humbly as children, saying, please forgive us our sins. Um, because that's why you came, Jesus, to die, so that sins would be forgiven. We ask, Lord, that you would humble people's hearts, and those hearts that are hardened like stones, Lord, please soften them, and they will come to you and ask for their forgiveness of their sins. Help us, Lord, to look out for one another. Mm. We've, we've been reminded, Lord, that it's, ours is a collective faith. It's a communal um, faith. Help us to look out for one another in whatever small way that we can. Um, because even the smallest thing that might seem small to us is a huge deal to somebody else. Help us to always remember, though, that we are blessed to be a blessing um, to others. And so even the things that may be insignificant is a five-minute chat or a cup of tea um, to us might be insignificant, but to somebody else it means the world to them. Help us, though, to constantly be looking how to give and serve the body of Christ in, in whatever capacity um, that we are able to at the moment thank you heavenly father lord um for delivering us from the evil one ultimately on the cross lord you delivered us from the evil one lord whilst we're here on earth we ask lord that you'd be with us each day and each trial that comes and each temptation that comes lord deliver us please um, but if it's your will that we go through those trials please give us the strength to endure mm. and knowing lord that ultimately you have won you have had victory over the grave on the cross of Calvary when you said it is finished. Thank you, Lord. Um, until we come again next week, Lord, we ask that you keep everyone safe and healthy and keep us complete in our number. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank amen. amen. Good you. night, everyone. Good night, everybody. Yeah, on Facebook. It's, Thank time, you. it's time, Sharon, and everybody was in bed. Yes. Um, good night, everyone, on playback on Zoom night, and night. Uh, YouTube and wherever you're you. watching us from. Good night.